This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Welcome, welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast. Explore the mind of MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner, Brett Boone, as he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. Now, Now, up to to bat, Brett Boone. All right, I was thinking about this when you were coming on today, and I was thinking about something fun to do. In the spirit of the book, I've got some debate. You up for it? Go. Let's do it. All right, and I'll start off, you know, kind of kind of dorky. First one is position, spirit of the book, number eight. Best center fielder in the history of baseball. There's a lot to choose from. The best center fielder in the history of baseball is Willie Mays. Um, I, 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 and I'll turn to the chapter very quickly here, but Willie Mays. I like uh, I'll give you a couple of numbers on on Willie Mays. Um, Willie Mays, here's, I mean, most people know some of them. You know how many home runs he had. Let me tell you this. Willie Mays led his league in home runs and steals four times each. He's the only player in history to do that. He led the major leagues in steals in the decade of the 50s, and he led the major league in home runs for for the decade of the 50s. So he had more home runs and stole more bases. Think about that combination for a minute than any other player in the decade of the 50s. He also, for his career, won 12 gold gloves in a row and recorded 7,112 putouts, a record that will never be broken. So I think Willie Mays is inarguably the greatest center fielder of all time. And as the first one, I get that was kind of easy. I mean, okay. Griffey, Griffey's probably a close, but yeah, I've got to give it to Willie Griffey. Without the injuries, we might be talking a different, correct? Yeah, differently. I agree but, with that. But uh, yeah, both sides of the ball. Uh, you know, I got to play with some great center fielders. Griffey was one of them. I got to play with Mike Cameron and uh, Tory Hunter, 
And I played with Andrew Jones for a year in 1999. And the one funny story about the Willie Mays that I, that I tell to this day from a defensive standpoint, now all around Andrew Jones can't be in the same conversation as Willie Mays, but defensively only. I remember we were, we were playing a game. I forget if it was spring training or, or during the regular season. Anyway, Andrew makes a play and I'm just coming off playing with, with junior Griffey who's pretty damn good. And I'm watching Andrew now play on a daily basis. And I was amazed. I was amazed. And I remember, yeah, I remember Bobby Cox turns to somebody in the dugout and says, Willie Mays, my ass. And I, and I said, what do you mean by that? And he goes, exactly what I said. I've seen Willie Mays play, and I watch his Andrew Jones kid. And Andrew at the time is like 23, 24 years old. Mm-hmm. And he said, Willie Mays, my ass. And I went, that is well, that's a, that's, a, that's a pretty good statement coming from a guy that's seen both. All right. Best ballpark in the big leagues. I really, I mean, it's, it's a shame that there has been so little success in it. I really like the park in Pittsburgh. Um, have you been, I'm not sure if you've been to PNC park. I really yeah. I got, like I got to play there at the end of my career. It was, that's a really nice ballpark. Yeah. Everybody loves Camden yards. I have no argument with that. Um, people rave about the new ballpark in San Francisco. I have not been there. I'm, I'm partial to the old Yankee stadium. I mean, I grew up going to Yankee stadium with my parents. That was incredible. The new Yankee Stadium is not that at all. Um, I still like going to games there, but I think that's probably more my own emotion. But there's no question what my number one ballpark is, and I mentioned it earlier, and that's Wrigley Field. It, there is no experience. What What is it like to play there? Obviously something I've never had the opportunity to do. To, 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 to cover a game, which I did forever, and to attend games as a fan, Wrigley Field is is first, and nothing is second, and then we could argue over what's third. Well, I think, you know, as a player, it's different because when you're in the game, and, and I, I, I finally stopped at a few venues. I remember going to Fenway Park during a pitching change and a day game at Fenway Park. appreciated the history that's in here. I did that. I love playing at Wrigley, but they've redone that. It, it was like you, you needed a tow rope to get to home plate from the on-deck circle. It was uneven. There were lip plays. Defense was a nightmare. You never knew when it was going to hit a lip. But I'll tell you what, if that wind was blowing out, it was like a wiffle ball game. And I loved playing there. For me, though, and it's just because I can close my eyes and I know where I'm at, old Yankee Stadium. I walked into the new Yankee Stadium, never played a game there. But I remember when Aaron first got the job, I went to go see him and I'm walking through the tunnel. And a lot of the old security guards from my playing days are still working the stadium. So, hey, Booty, what's up? We haven't seen you. You know, and I said, uh, new stadium or old? Ten out of ten guys, if I asked ten guys, said it wasn't even a question. He said, it's not even a question. Old Yankee Stadium. There's something special about it. Uh, I can't explain it to people. But uh, I got to put Yankees. If I can play one game before before it's all said and done, I'm going back to old Yankee Stadium. But if I need a hit, I'm going to play in Anaheim. I just I I couldn't have a bad series in Anaheim. That that's that's my list right there. It's a ballpark I've never been to. But, you know, the, the players are always going to lean. To, it's sort of like what's your favorite golf course? It's the one where you played best, right? So, I, I, without I, I, a doubt, without a doubt. When we go on our European golf trips or whatever it is, whatever, we're always at the end of the trip, it's always, what was your favorite golf course? And I will pick mine. And it is always the one where I shot the lowest score. It has to be. Uh, best play-by-play man, history of baseball. Well, so I'm, I'm 
very, very partial to Harry Carey. So when I got to Chicago in, in the mid eighties, I, I sometimes jokingly say Harry Carey was my first friend in Chicago, even though I never met him in person. Um, but I quickly discovered that he would do the games on channel nine and they were all in the afternoon. And, you know, when you first get to college, you, you know, you're a little lonely and away from home and all that. And he was just the most entertaining, most wonderful thing in the world. Although I always also say that to me, baseball will always sound like Phil Rizzuto's voice because he did the Yankee games when I was growing up on channel 11 and on the radio in New York. And so um, it would be, it would be Harry Carey and Phil Rizzuto now, um, clearly the best of all time or the greatest of all time best means your own personal taste um th there will never ever be anyone like vince scully i mean vince scully actually has a number in the book vince scully has number 67 in this book because he broadcast dodger games for 67 years um and uh probably in that regard touched more sports fans with his voice than any other human being that ever lived so um the greatest of all time, I think, is Vin Scully, but my favorite will always be Harry. Yeah, Vin, Vin, it was amazing to me, Vin, because he did it alone. He did everything by himself. The best. And I, mean, and I still, I, I can still, I can, I can hear him right now when I'm walking. I just had a bat at bat and I'm walking up uh, into the Dodger visiting clubhouse and I hear Vin Scully on the radio and he's just going on and on about, and this young fella back in, you know, the Connie Mack world series in 1984. Yeah. And I'm going, how does he know all this stuff? Well, cause that's what he did and that's what he loved. All right. Moving on. Uh, goat of all goats. You can pick anyone, any sport. I think the when you were talking about Ruth, I was thinking about this question because everybody today is the obvious is Jordan. But uh, your thought, goat of all goats. It's so hard. Like I mean, it's it's probably I would probably say Jordan, but I don't think you would be wrong if you said Wayne Gretzky, because I yeah. think that the space between Gretzky and and the second greatest hockey player of all time is far greater than the space between Jordan and the second greatest basketball player of all time. In fact, there are some people who are trying to make a legitimate argument that, that LeBron James is the greatest basketball player of all time. Babe Ruth is the greatest baseball player of all time and has to be in the discussion. Um, I think I mean, if we're going to use individual, like, like I don't even want to, I don't want to confuse it because if you start bringing in like Olympic athletes, you know, you know, start bringing in Michael Phelps, and, and people like that, which which make it very complicated because no one ever did anything better than he did what he did. But how do you compare that to Michael Jordan and Wayne Gretzky? It's almost impossible to do. So if we're going to limit it to team sports, I think I would say Michael Jordan, but I think the right answer is actually Wayne Gretzky. Yeah, I mean, there's there's plenty. And, and I was thinking about this before the Ruth analogy, because anytime you're referred to as Ruthian. Yeah. You've arrived. And I and I think the GOAT argument is not only the greatest, but all encompassing. Yeah. It's like you mentioned, it's got there's got to be external things like something about that guy. The it factor is just you say his name, you know, Tiger's definitely in that argument without a doubt. Uh, but other, you know, baseball players, as great as they are, as great as, you know, bonds and, and it didn't have a good relationship with the media. Uh, my era the greatest player I've ever seen, and no one was even close, especially from a hitting standpoint, was Barry Bonds. You look at the guys today, like a Mike Trout, uh, an Aaron Judge. Yes, they're great, but they're not in that Jordan conversation for some reason. The all-encompassing doesn't come there. The only one for me was Ruth. 
uh, but I'm going to go with Jordan as well. Um, I got a few more. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. We're going to go off the sports grill and we're going to go to best sports center anchor of all time. I've got a lot of favorite ones. You're going to have a, an interesting take on this one. Well, you know, that's or you might one. not even be able to pick. Yeah. I mean, you know, look, I don't know if he was the best, but because of the circumstances, he certainly was as good as anybody ever was. And because of the circumstances, I usually think of Stuart Scott when we have these conversations. Um, Stuart was a great friend and a, and, a, and a great person. And what happened to him was just so unjust and painful to watch for all of us. And, you know, we have so many of us have gotten to know his daughters now over the years. And um, so it's very hard for me not to think of him when you ask the question. But I will say that before I came to ESPN, when my aspiration was to be a sports center anchor, the guys that I watched were Keith Olbermann and Dan Patrick when they used to do the 11 o'clock sports center. In fact, when I came and I auditioned in 96, they put you on the set and they and, and they sit you down and they have you do a little bit of a sports cast. And I remember telling everybody I was in Keith's chair. I was in Keith's chair. So, um, you know, those guys were larger than life. And then and Chris Berman, he built the place. So I think he's more remembered now for other things besides Sports Center. But if we're going to include that, those are sort of the OGs that come immediately to mind. Um, so, you know, I, I couldn't pick between those. I mean, you know, again, Stuart was such a great guy. If you knew him, you would have loved him. I don't know. Maybe you did know him. Um, he was such a good person that it, it wouldn't feel right to ever put anybody. He was, he was so good at the job too. Like I, I worked with him a little bit and people always associated him just with sort of the, the hip hop catchphrases, which obviously is what made him famous, but he was actually really, really good as someone who does that for a living. He was really good at the fundamentals of it too, you know? Um, so I, I, I will, in his honor, I will say Stuart Scott. You know, the most I've heard when I ask this question to a lot of the anchors, when I ask Linda Cohn or Charlie Snyder, it, it usually goes to Keith Olbermann, but they do have that that story that you had about Stuart Scott. I don't know. For me, when was ESPN most influential in my life? When I signed in 1990 and I, and I was in the minor leagues and it was a different era and it was a different world. We didn't have these phones to get everything at our fingertips, man. We'd play that minor league game in, in the Carolina league and I busted home because I got to watch sports center tonight. I got to see what the big boys are doing. Cause I'm going to be in that big stage one day. And, and man, I, I couldn't even pick one if I had to. I mean, I loved Steiner for different reasons. I mean, he just cracked me up. Linda Cohn. I always loved Linda Cohn for some reason. You know, it was just so many guys. And uh, it was almost like a a Saturday night Saturday night live of, of sports. You know, oh, yeah. there were so many different characters. Really cool. All right, I'm going to wrap it up with my last question. Two sport athletes. I think it goes without saying, uh, you know, there's the Deion Sanders who played too, was very good. Uh, Brian Jordan, who doesn't get that much love out there. But I, I think we probably agree that Bo Jackson is the best two-sport uh, player ever, cut short, obviously, by the injury. But it seems like everything starts with baseball. And, and I think for the layman, for the average question out there, the average fan, who's the best athlete? They always go, oh, Jordan or, or, or something like that. Who are the best athletes? You notice all the two-sport athletes. It always involves baseball. Who are the best athletes in your opinion? Meaning of, of, in which sport do you find the most athletic people? In, in like the greatest athletes play which sport? Yes, and I'm interested for your take on why. 
Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how to answer that exactly. Um, baseball is, is look, you would know bet it literally a million times better than I would. It seems to me baseball is much more about skill. It is a skill uh, first and foremost. You can be the greatest athlete in the world and not be able to play baseball. In fact, I witnessed that myself. I spent a lot of time around Michael Jordan when he was trying to play baseball. The, the way to become a great baseball player is not necessarily by being the best athlete. Um, it requires entirely different things. The, the, the skills you have are completely different than the skills that someone who plays basketball has or football. Football is of the sports that we commonly cover. Football, I think, is the most physically demanding. What, what these guys put their bodies through is, it, I mean, it's not, it's not human. It's certainly not healthy. Um, and at times it's actually actively difficult to watch. Um, I covered plenty of football training camps and it was unbelievable. Um, so, you know, I mean, I think I probably would just default to saying basketball because there is a, we tend to associate that stuff with the gracefulness. Look, what the hockey players do is pretty unbelievable. When you consider the combination of the hand-eye cord, it is almost baseball caliber hand-eye coordination to do what they do with the stick and the puck. The ability to – the skating is a whole different skill, obviously, and the speed with which they do that and the agility. And then the physical punishment that at the highest levels of the sport these guys also have to withstand. If you wanted to make an argument for that, I'm not the person to do it, but if you wanted to make an argument for that, you could probably defend that one too. Yeah, I, I, I hear it all the time, and, and I've been thinking about it a lot. I said, well, let's pick a Mike Trout. Seems pretty athletic to me. Yeah. Uh, obviously – arguably my opinion, the watching as much as I do when healthy, the best player in baseball, all around player. I think if Mike Trout trained for it and needed to go out for a pass in the NFL, he, he could do that. You put him on a basketball court. I think he could not completely embarrass himself. And I think about that all the time with baseball players. Then I switch the position, put any basketball player, any football player into a batter's box and get a hit, they've got no chance. Oh, yeah, no. They've got no chance. So I'm defaulted, and I would say baseball players are the yeah, best. That's athlete. what I mean. That, that <laughs> Athletes is a – you know, because that's – it's not – when we think of athletes, we tend to think, well, who is the fastest? Who is the but, – but baseball requires a set of skills that are so, so unique. Um, and, look, I mean, Ted Williams said the hardest thing to do is to hit a round bat with a round ball, and it probably is. Um, so, yes, you are correct. A basketball, most athletic baseball players could survive on a basketball court. They, they, they would be obviously the worst one out there, but they wouldn't necessarily have zero chance of accomplishing anything. I remember watching Michael Jordan, who was my idol, my hero. I revered him and I do to this day. What I learned from watching him was the instincts that are involved in playing baseball. So I, I was covering him in these little spring training ballparks and the press box, I remember one day was right behind home plate. So I'm looking right out. I have the same vantage point that a catcher would have, but I'm upstairs. Off the crack, Michael is playing center field. Or he may have been playing left field. I forget, doesn't matter. Off the crack of the bat, he was always running the wrong way. Like, like he always did, it always took him like two steps and then he stopped and went back the other way. And when you watch you guys, and not just at the major league level, but down into the into the lower minor league levels, crack of the bat, everyone on the field knows exactly where the ball is going to go. Literally exactly where it's going to wind up or pretty close. And people who, who don't have that, I don't know. I mean, obviously, that probably has to do with having been out there, you know, for the 10,000 hours or whatever it is that you get. But 
that was that was when I really noticed it. Michael Jordan, the ball would be hit, and he would always take two steps the wrong way before he would then go back and get it. And as a consequence, let's just say for the sake of argument, over a 162-game season, that's probably something close to 162 hits that your team allows that they otherwise wouldn't. Um, and that's something that I don't know that enough people recognize either. Well, I think Jordan in that time, it was interesting. I was a young player. I got to, I went down, he was playing in the Arizona fall league and he was playing against my brother's team at the time. And I was just in town to watch, went into the visiting clubhouse, the club, he said, Hey, Michael wants to meet you. And he had questions about the game. And it was interesting to me. I'm, I'm sitting there kind of now I'm the big guy, like, Oh, the greatest basketball player in the world needs a tip. Um, but it just goes to show you how hard it is. And I don't see his – he went to double-A Birmingham, which yeah. is – double-A is a tough level. You haven't played in a long time. I mean, I think he hit 180 or 190 or whatever he did. But the most fascinating stat to me is he drove in 50 runs. There's a lot of minor league players that in their career never had a year where they drove in 50, 50 runs. And they did that for a living. You know, they were professionals. So I don't look at his experiment as a complete failure. Yeah, he was probably right there uh, of one of the probably the worst player in in the Southern League that year. But he drove in 50 runs. And I always say that. I said not too many. A lot of guys out there can't say they ever drove in 50 runs in the Southern League. So I don't think that's fair. They may have been walking guys to get to him. But okay. yeah, yeah. (laughs) But he drove in 50 runs. You still (laughs) got to knock. You still got to hit that ground ball or get the point and a half with the new analytics hit the fly ball. So. That's 50 more than I would have driven. And so I got, I have no complaints there. Well, Mike Greenberg, this, it's been a pleasure. I appreciate you coming on, coming on the show. Uh, I believe the book's coming out April 4th. That's correct. Tuesday, April 4th. It is called got your number and it is available for pre-order now, anywhere you get your books. Best of luck. I appreciate you coming on. Thank you. And uh, to all of us here at the Boone podcast, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. 2400 sports is an odyssey company. 